Hey everyone, welcome back to the Blessed Child Podcast. This is your host Renee. It's been a little while. I have a couple matters of business to go over. So I got the fuck out of a live for the sake of others cult known as the Moonies. And after two years of podcasting and putting episodes out that are very raw, I finally entered the stage of healing where I don't feel like I have to give everyone access to my story. So we have made some changes on this podcast. It used to be free access to every episode. And going forward, I will have older episodes aging into exclusive content only because we change and we grow. And I just feel like I would like more privacy in this journey. Now, that being said, any Patreons will have full access, of course, and you can get access to exclusive episodes with a subscription of $7.99. I also want to offer previous guests the opportunity, if you feel like your interview or your story is pretty raw, and you also are in the stage of healing from a live for the sake of others cult, where you don't want everyone to have access to your story, message me and I will make your episode exclusive and put it behind a privacy wall. So that's been a recent change and I'm proud of myself for it. So let's move forward. Going into this episode, we are going to be discussing the seventh criteria of thought reform which is doctrine over person. Now, if you've been following along in this journey in season four, I've been deconstructing Robert J. Lifton's eight criteria of thought reform. Thought reform is also code for brainwashing or mind control. And I've been dissecting it from my personal lens growing up as a second generation adult of the very exploitive Mooney cult known as the Unification Church. So this is the seventh criteria. It's the second to last, and it's taken me a long time to marinate in it because it's pretty sticky. And it's taken me all month to think about it and marinate it and really simmer it down to some basic concepts. So the way I'm going to structure this episode is I'm first going to introduce Robert J. Lifton's Doctrine Over Person concept and then I'm going to interpret that through my own lens and what I believe the doctrine in the Unification Church is pretty much narrowed down to. So straight from the book, um, Thought Reform and the Psychology of Totalism, we're going to go to page 430 and talk about doctrine over person. So Robert J. Lifton points out that doctrine or a group's mythology, like a religious group's mythology, or a MLM's doctrine, uh, take the Jehovah's Witness, or Scientologists, or Moonies, or the Boy Scouts, and boil down their doctrine to a mythology that is 
summarized in two basic concepts, like God and Satan, good and evil, moral and immoral. It's a morality play. It's a half reality. So a doctrine is where people are consumed by a mythology that has an air of half reality. So in the Unification Church, that's the superiority complex that they can mobilize the spirit world or that they have access to the tree of knowledge and good and evil and the ideals and the truth and the divine principles of the universe. So all of that stuff is loaded language, but it also gives way to a half reality. People are half baked. They're living partially in this universe and partially in another one. And that's not unique to the Moonies. That's also in the Jehovah's Witness with their concept of paradise earth and eternal life with Scientologists and their body thetans and all sorts of other religions have this fundamental half reality. With Heaven's Gate, you see it with them literally believing in outer space concepts. Um, so it's not unique to one cult. Robert J. Lifton says that it's it's a component and a must. It's a factor that you must have in totalistic ideology and authoritarian cults. There's this concept of half reality where your, your reality is boiled down to good versus evil, God versus Satan. And in these simplified extremes, people are given, people are made to feel important because they're given roles like heroes. Like every action you take is important because of this mythology. And so people feel a sense of intense purpose. Um, and they'll mold their identities to fit this doctrine. So it's not just that everybody's living in a half reality. It's that this mythology might be half, half reality, but it's molding the people around it. So that it becomes more real. And the result of that is that doctrine cannot be ignored because it has real world consequences in people's actions and how they view themselves and the world around them. This demand for the doctrine of a person does lead to people molding their characters and their identities around the rigid contours of the doctrinal mold. So you can think in the Unification Church, of course, that's the concept of second-gen blessed child, ideal families, um, blessed families. We are, we, we were fitting ourselves around that identity. And thus, in that, Robert J. Lifton says that cults and extreme groups subject humans to be inhuman, and they, and they actually subjugate humans. So in the Unification Church, we actually had a term for that. It's like subject-object relationship. And it was very much out in the open that we should be subjugated by moon and the cult and the doctrine. So in this way, the doctrine puts abstract ideas over human life 
and they have the ability to rewrite reality, rewrite history, rewrite memories, and alter reality so that people are subjected. Hey guys, Future Renee here. So when I originally recorded this, I didn't put an example in and I wanted to stop and give you an example of whitewashing history, essentially, which happens all the time and it doesn't just happen in a cult. But here's an example when a young person was murdered or when people die being labor trafficked for moon on STF or GPA or OLT, whatever. Instead of remembering for what it is in reality, which is a horrific event that happens from the result of extreme negligence and labor trafficking for profit, it's remembered as an offering for the providence of Chanel Gook. It's whitewashed, and the collective memory is then victim to this phenomenon that happens all the time, and it does a major disservice to the memories of the people we have lost in the building of the moon empire and that list is extensive but we're not going to go into that today and in doctrine over person the underlying assumption is that the doctrine is ultimately more valid true and real than any aspects of human life and human existence and we've seen that in the extreme ideology of the unification church in many instances. And the reason it's been so hard for me to talk about doctrine over person in the Unification Church is because it's so hypocritical. And it's so contradicting. And it's so condescending. And let me explain. When I think of the doctrine in the Unification Church, I am taken back to reciting the cadence of family pledge in the mornings with my family, my extended family, and the cult environment. And the first things we said was, Udi Kajangan, Chamsarango, Chinchahago, something like that. But basically it means our family centered on true love. So it's that concept of true love I want to talk about. Because that is the ultimate taboo that Reverend Moon tapped into and hijacked and branded and capitalized on that that he owned and had the secrets to the universe with his concept of true love and in it the language was so loaded that we didn't actually understand what love really was and the reason this is hard for me to talk about is because as much as I have left the cult unfortunately it is this bit of a totalistic ideology in a multi-generational person that is almost impossible to escape. And the reason I say that is because our parents have already been molded with the worldview of doctrine over person. Our parents have a superiority complex where they think they understand what true love is, that that's the sacrifice they made to accept the blessing and the arranged marriage that Moon subjugated them to accept. And they don't actually understand what love is because they've been taught wrong. Moon filled love, 
true love, true life and true lineage, as he put it, with so much coercion and guilt and shame. Even the blessing itself was a threat. He put random people together that didn't know each other and said, you have to make this work. You have to learn how to love and grow in this love or your descendants will continue to struggle with these struggles tenfold. And also, if you do divorce in this world, then you are going to have to deal with each other in the spirit world. And it's going to be basically condemning you to a life of hell because it's very hard to change once you're in the spirit world. So if you can't make it work with the person I put you with now, well, you're going to have to figure it out when you're dead. So it wasn't really a blessing as it was more of a coercion and a curse and just a flex for his power play that he could prove that he owned the power of love. And in lots of speeches, if you go back to hearing him talk about love and the power of love, he's talking about it like it's a product for him to monopolize on. Because guess what? He did. He went from a poor farmer boy to a multi-million, multi-billion heir in the course of a few decades. Because he tapped into the taboo subject of making people love each other. But Moon said, fuck it. I'm going to own the rights to love. I'm going to make a doctrine that teaches people about true love and ideal families and blessed families. And you can only have access to it if you go through me and my blessing. So he became the gatekeeper for this twisted concept of true love. Shimjong. Tamsarang. Okay. That's all I heard growing up. So basically when I think about the unification church, I think that the doctrine at its core is a twisted power play on people's autonomy by hijacking and arresting their independent ability to love, to feel love, to understand love, to even register love because the language was so loaded and and we were so loaded with guilt and shame about any type of natural instincts to giving and receiving love. There's so much language that is loaded around the concept of love. Moon put hours and hours and books and books into loading the language about love with subject object relationships give and take um four position foundation all of that is actually about quote-unquote love with his true love talks and his blessed family talks and his ideal family talks it's really then twisted because in my experience as much as my parents think that they know what true love is i don't think they will ever know what love is and it's very sad. And it's hard for me to talk about. Because, you know, I actually haven't seen my biological mother in 14 years. And she hasn't met her grandchildren. And she doesn't have any expression of that. But in a recent email she wrote my father, it was very clear that in her half reality, in her little moony brain, she believes that the blessing is eternal and unchanging and so that she'll get a second chance in the spirit world to put in the effort then. And also, she believes she communes with us in the spirit world. But I haven't actually seen her in 14 years. And when I offered to see her, she said, you know, she couldn't, she couldn't do that. So she's living in this half-baked reality that's enabling her 
to live in a delusional fantasy where she believes she has the concepts of true love, but in reality, she is utterly alone with the Mooney ideology. And her entire family, or she has abandoned her entire family and adopted a new Mooney family. It's really interesting and it's sad and it hurts because it's so hypocritical and yet you cannot point out these contradictions to somebody that is so deeply involved and brainwashed by a totalistic ideology. So it's been really hard for me to want to talk about Doctrine Over Person because as hard as you try to leave a multi-generational Doctrine Over Person cult like the Moonies, that Doctrine Over Person concept is still deeply ingrained in the people you care about the most, which unfortunately is family members, parents. They still view you as subhuman to the doctrine. You're not who you are. You are a blessed child. You are a fallen blessed child. You are a misguided, misled, blessed child. And Moon said himself that that is actually worse. A blessed child who leaves the church is actually in a worse position than Hitler because they were given the truth and they chose to leave anyway. And that's the doctrine. That's the really twisted, fucked up doctrine when you have these people declaring that they know about true love and then in the same stroke shunning their family members because of the doctrine of a person concept that we're exploring today. You have people that say they know the secrets to love, true love, true life, and true lineage, and an ideal world, and yet they're racist. There's a Korean hierarchy where Koreans are on top always in the Unification Church. Or there's a homophobia that is rampant in the Unification Church. There's segregation in the church against children based on their political status or their blessing, quote unquote, blessing status. So it's very hypocritical and true love, quote unquote, true love in the Moonies is condescending at best, hypocritical and painful. Hey guys, this is Renee that's editing. I just wanted to add some stuff. In the Unification Church, their moon was extremely homophobic and misogynistic, and he was very condemning of anyone that did not receive the blessing, so it gave the people a sense of being able to dispense others' existence. Like, if you weren't in the church and we couldn't save you, then you were conveniently, conveniently categorized in this subhuman position, and Moonies could then pay money to Moon to liberate you. So, for instance, my mom probably has paid many times over for me and my brothers to be liberated after we became ex-members. This is called spiritual bypassing. Um, it's a way to conveniently dispense existence and for members to not actually take care of their problems, but believe that they have a solution in their doctrine, which is paying for liberation, paying for ancestor liberation, wish papers and angel papers, which um, haven't been talked about much, but they're probably the major cash cow in the Unification Church. They are essentially indulgences and um, it is the core of spiritual bypassing. It is 
the core of dispensing of existence and doctrine of a person and it puts everybody in a subhuman category and um, it's it's really essentially toxic spiritual bypassing and I just wanted to put that in there and point out that in this half-baked reality there is uh, a lot of doctrine that enables neglect of real relationships because in the doctrine they have the keys to another universe where problems can be solved with magic and money. So let's go back into the episode. I also wanted to go back to the book where Robert J. Lifton talks about a phenomena in a totalist environment called the will to orthodoxy. And it is a phenomenon that happens when the myth is being tested and the leader's authority is being challenged. And so they have to rationalize a new myth designed to demonstrate the consistency of the original myth and um, the foresight and transcendent knowledge that the original myth provides. So that's a lot of words, but let me give you an example. Ever since Moon died, Hakshahan has been vying for power with her sons. And we've seen major shifts in the orthodoxy and in the religion. And anybody that's in a powerful position in a cult like the Moonies are going to put members in a position of a high pressure position where they have to show their sincerity and redevote themselves and recommit to absolute obedience, absolute love, and show their absolute sincerity. That's what a cult demands. And that is very basic bitch stuff that happens in a cult. So... I was thinking about recently what happened was Hak Jahan Moon recently declared that 95% of what Sun Myung Moon has said is bullshit. And that was surprising. But when I thought about it further, I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense because their orthodoxy and their mythology states that, you know, the Champyong is a spiritual epicenter, directly connected to heaven. It's the heaven on earth, right? It's the training center. They have access to spirit world. They can mobilize the ancestors. They state that they can even mobilize Hitler and, and Stalin and Moon and pretty much foresee all things. There's this sense of omnipotence when you can hijack the half reality of spirit world. But then Shinzo Abe was murdered. It really shakes things up a bit because Japan has given so much to Champyong. Don't you think the least they could do is protect the prime minister who has multi-generational ties to the Unification Church? So I think a lot of Japanese members that are very devout who really do believe in spirit world are like, what the absolute fuck? And so Hak Jahan's probably in a really hard place where she's like, yeah... Yeah, you got me. Okay, the spirit world, maybe maybe we don't have it all down. You know what? Instead of 
instead of admitting that this entire thing is bullshit and it's a scam, I'm going to blame it on my dead husband who I'm no longer married to. In fact, I am the new Messiah. I am the only begotten daughter and, and I married Jesus last night. Y'all, that is literally what is happening right now. Um, and it sounds crazy, but it's, like I said, it's straight from the playlist. It's, uh, the will to orthodoxy. The leaders are always going to want to demand sincerity when they see their members having a moment of confusion, or as I would like to say, a moment of clarity where the doctrine is not airtight and the sacred science is not proving as sacred as it claims itself to be. People will have a sense of limbo where they're just not sure what's real and so it's in that vulnerable stage that a cult leader will put intense pressure on the members to make them choose one way or the other through intense guilt and shame so I think that's what's happening now and one really hopeful bit to end on is that Robert J. Lifton does also acknowledge that this is a place where people can get in totalist environments and the most powerful tool that they can have and explore to get out of a totalist environment and extreme cult like the Moonies, they have to do one thing. And that one thing is actually very simple and very powerful and very moving. And Robert J. Lifton says that that one thing is imagining that the world could not be like this. And when I read that, I was taken aback to my suicidal days. And it was that very thought that gave me hope to keep going. The world could not be like this. And I didn't understand it at the moment, but that was me in limbo. Trying to find a way out of a totalist environment like the cult called the Moonies. And it happens to a lot of people trying to leave a cult. And it happens when the orthodoxy is wavering and the doctrine is challenged and the half-baked reality seems to be falling apart. And the only thing you have to do is imagine that the world cannot be like this and take steps towards maybe things could be different. And slowly and surely, you can unravel that totalist control and it's so weird that I know our parent, my parents have told me, you know, I act, I asked them, how did you get involved in the Unification Church? And one of the common themes of people joining the church when they have a choice is that they were asked to be open-minded. And isn't it so weird that that same tactic is what people have to do to also then get out? I think it's pretty interesting. And that's what I wanted to end on. I didn't want to make this too long. I know I really simmered down doctrine over person, and there are probably endless paths to take of the actual doctrine of, of the Unification Church, but I really didn't want to go into it because, I mean, we could talk about it forever. The Moonies have hijacked so many different cults and cultures and theologies and called it and wrapped it up and called it their divine principle. And that's not really what I want to go over. What I wanted to go over was the fact that, yeah, Moon monopolized love. He did everything the genies said they wouldn't do. He manipulated people to the core to arrest their ability to love 
and then became the gatekeeper for it. And it's truly painful to really think of it that way. But it's the truth. And it hurts a lot because growing up, we called we called dysfunctional families and loveless marriages ideal and blessed families. And it really hurts when you're misled for so long. It's a lot easier to just look at reality and accept it for what it is than to continue to lie to yourself. And it's been hard for me to want to talk about this because unfortunately, I'm sure people still look at me with the lens of I'm subhuman to the doctrine. But yeah, I do just want to give people a message, you know, the only thing they have to do is start imagining the world cannot be like this. And that is my rant for today on the seventh criteria of thought reform. I hope you enjoyed it. It's pretty heavy, pretty heavy stuff, um, but it does put some crazy shit into perspective, some crazy shit that's hard to understand. The Unification Church is not unique. It is an exploitive labor trafficking, sex trafficking, marriage trafficking cult, but it is not unique. So I'm glad that we are unpacking these tools to help people deconstruct in whatever part of the journey they're in. Next episode we're going to do is the dispensing of existence, which is literally the last criteria in the eight criteria of thought reform. Remember, you need to have all eight criteria inter like interlocking systems of control in order to have a totalist environment and cult like the Moonies. So yeah, join me next time. Until then, take care of your mental health and we will talk again soon.